the question that I ask is, what would you say today if you knew tomorrow that you would never speak again? That's an emotionally heavy question that creates automatic engagement. You can do this if you're a presenter or maybe in podcasting, but starting with that question takes emphasis off you, puts it on the audience, and then creates an environment that says, ooh, this is going to be something different. Good morning. Welcome to the Grounded Content Podcast. I'm your host, Marion Abrams. This is the podcast for you, grounded content creators, content strategists, anyone who works in the content space or hopes to soon. Content is communication. So how do you communicate? Do you communicate with confidence? Today, I talked to my friend, Alex Perry. After years working as a speech pathologist, Alex brought her skills to the world of business. Her company, Practically Speaking, teaches confident communication. Before we get into the interview with Alex, one quick thing I'd like you to think about. How do you stay grounded? How do you keep your content grounded? How will you do it in 2022, 23, 24, into the future? One way is to ask why more. Why are you doing it this way? Why are you doing it at all? Why does it help your brand? Why does it help your company? Why does it help your bottom line? Why does it help your personal creative expression? Ask yourself why more and stop worrying about trying to be like everybody else and stop worrying about trying to be different from everybody else. Worry about what's right, what's better, what works. Don't worry about what they're telling you to do. Don't worry about what everyone else is doing. Ask yourself those questions. Stay grounded. All right, now we're going to get into this interview with Alex Perry. Welcome, Alex Perry. I am so excited to have you here. We have become good friends, but that's not why I invited you. I invited you because you are a real expert in communicating and not just communicating, but teaching people how to communicate effectively. Your business is called Practically Speaking with Alex Perry. You are a communication coach and expert, and you actually have a course coming up called Communicate with Confidence. That's right. So thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to talk with you today. I want to talk about taking feedback. And I think one of our first conversations ever, probably, you called me out on some language that I was using that wasn't presenting my ideas confidently in the way that I wanted. So tell the audience, (laughs) what were you calling me out on? We were at a conference, She Podcast Conference, and we're sitting around, we're talking, and we're getting to know each other. And you, Marion, were talking about the hats that you had made that say friend on them to help your branding. And we were all impressed that you had these. And I think someone asked you where you had created it. And you said, oh, well, I just made it on Redbubble. And I looked at you and I didn't miss a beat. I was like, just Redbubble? I was like, not just Redbubble. You put it on Redbubble. You had a Redbubble hat. And then I came back, right, with confidence and I said... Yeah, I made them on effing Redbubble and good luck getting on there. Like you have to be Redbubble worthy. And so it became this very funny moment of don't say that. (laughs) And so for those that don't know, Redbubble is a website that anyone can go to and you upload your design and they will print it and send it. And my point when we use the word just is it's such a diminishing term. When you're like, oh, well, I just did this, or I just did a TED Talk, but it wasn't at actual TED. You did a TED Talk. You did 
create a hat on Redbubble. It's not diminishing your efforts in front of other people and most importantly, in your own head when you downplay what it took to create something. And what's the impact that this can have when you're in a boardroom, you're in a job interview, you are presenting an idea to a supervisor or to your team? Where I see it most is when people discredit themselves in front of their boss, their team, executive leadership, you name it, by saying, well, you know, I just did this project. It really wasn't a big deal. And so that does two things. When the person is listening to you, you have now programmed in their brain that what you did was not a big deal. And you've also signaled to them that you don't take yourself that seriously, that you're not willing to speak up for your efforts and your whatever it is, right? Your project, your team. If it's, oh, they just did this. It wasn't that big of a deal. That really signals, I don't take this very seriously. And that's the last thing you want when you are establishing credibility, looking to continue credibility with people. You really want to sound confident about whatever it is that you're talking about. How much of it is technique and how much of it is how you think about things? So I would say it's a combination of both, that your mindset absolutely plays a role. I start with mindset first when I work with a client, is what are you thinking and how is that coming out? I always say leaking out into your speech. Because if you don't think that you are all that great, it will come out in what you say. And some of it is that we habituate language patterns. So saying just, saying like, saying right is a big one, right? Right? Sometimes we pick it up and it's habit. So we have to develop the skill of becoming aware that that's our habit and then practicing re-saying statements when we've included what I call a weak word or a filler word, weak phrases, kind of, sort of probably. Those sound wishy-washy. They make you sound less than definitive about what you think, feel, or are recommending. So Alex, it's obvious how the language we use, how we communicate is relevant in one-on-one communication or even as a podcaster behind the mic. But how would other content creators or content strategists, people working on brands and businesses, how would these ideas apply for them? So if I'm a content creator and I am looking at my overall messaging, which includes my written language, my visual language, my spoken language, I'm looking at it from a couple of different vantage points. Number one, is it true and authentic to what I want to create? Because oftentimes we can tell if there's a disconnect between someone's message and then what they actually show. Where I see people fall short or have difficulty is when their language doesn't reflect the strength of their belief. So if you're a content creator and you want to take a good hard look at what you're creating and determine whether or not it sounds confident, it sounds commanding, it has a clear call to action, the very first thing you have to do, and I find a lot of content creators are nervous to do this, is go back and listen and or reread. Look at your content It might just be my vantage points, but from my perspective, lots of people churn out boatloads of content, but then they don't spend time in the iterative process, the process of going back through it, refining it and making it stronger. Because if your goal as a content creator is to get more listeners and more people engaged and get people to actually take action, then you need to be thinking about what they need from you, not how you need to show up for you. 
you're thinking about how do I serve them? How do I give them my very best that is going to help them and not encourage them to be a copycat of me? Now, why is that even valuable? Why does keeping your audience in mind and serving them, why is that important to serve the business? Because you will grow more people. Good brings good. So if you serve your people well, not only will they come back and buy from you again or buy your product, purchase your service, if you show up with them in mind, that's how you get a follower where you think, oh my gosh, they relate to me. They know me. And then you've created that bond that keeps them tied to you over and over and over again. Think about Starbucks. Starbucks is all about your experience. They know who they're serving. They know what people like. They seek intentionally to create an experience around it. So they're not just selling coffee. They're selling the experience. So when somebody comes to you and they're looking to improve the way they present information, where do you start? So I start by asking questions. They often come to me and say they want to be a great speaker. They want to be an exceptional communicator. I ask them, what does that really mean? Because that looks differently depending on who you are and what you're doing. So I will have people that come to me and they want to be a Tony Robbins, big, bold personality and doing all the antics on stage and you name it. And then I have people that to be an exceptional communicator means that they get through their board meeting without pitting out their shirt. So I need to know where you stand and what do you look at? I'll ask lots of questions like, who do you emulate? Who are you drawn to? What do you see in their style that you would like to be able to do? That gives me a sense of what type of coaching they're going to need and what sorts of tactics they're going to need to show up the way they really want to. And what are some of the most common sort of quick fixes you can make? I realize it's a process, but there's probably some things where you're like, everybody's different. But 90% of the people who walk into my office, if I just work on this, they start to see an improvement. Yeah. So first off, from a body language perspective, it's just make people bigger. So tell them to take up their space. You can command more attention through eye contact. Also, another quicker fix. Lower register in tone and no up-talking. Simply changing that up-talking, the tone, makes a monstrous difference. Because when you are up-talking, it signals doubt. So when I work with up talkers, I tell them all the time, I'm like, how do I sound? Like, am I a person that you want to trust and view as credible? Which is what any content creator, coach, professional wants to be is credible. Now, you mentioned specifically the register. I'm aware of the change in tone, what I call adding the question mark at the end. I know there is some science that deeper voices tend to command more authority. What do you do if you naturally have a higher register voice. In that regard, I coach people to pay attention to whether or not they change their tone based on context. So you've probably heard people do this. A quick example is you're sitting around talking in a normal tone at a dinner table, and then the waitress comes and you're like, hi, how are you? Or you walk into the meeting and you go, hi, boss, how are you? That's actually not how you speak most of the time. If by default, you are a person with a high-pitched voice, you can work on that. It takes a lot of effort and it takes the practice and skill of both a vocal coach or a speech language pathologist to really, really change. And most people are not going to do that. So I signal to them, I'm like, that's okay if it's your normal tone. But if you are varying wildly based on the person that's in front of you, 
you can control that and you can give yourself a much more authoritative tone. So some of the keys we talked about so far are these words that we use to undermine ourselves like just and like. Then there is taking up physical space, filling the frame, how we use our tone of voice. What are some of the things that we can really do in the bigger picture to express our messages more firmly, strongly, I guess? Yeah, with confidence. So when you make a recommendation, make that recommendation outright. Here is what you need to do. That signals confidence. I see this all the time with content creators and folks in the boardroom is they will leave room for the person listening to make a decision. And the person is listening to you because they don't want to have to make a decision. They want you to tell them. So that being strong with your recommendation, you're strong with your call to action, buy this now, call me today. Very, very specific. That's going to help tremendously. Other things that help that people do really well is leave space and pause. When you leave space and pause, that gives time for the audience to catch up. It gives time for people to formulate questions. It gives time for you to think about what you want to say next. So you're clear and you're concise. That makes a big difference. I love to see that. From a body language perspective, people don't always like this one. However, it's true. Smiling, you can hear a smile in someone's voice and smiling signals that I feel good about me and I feel good about you. And so I'm going to look at you and I'm going to smile. If you are not by your natural nature, a smiler, that's okay. I'm not looking to change your default, but it does make an impact. So we have mirror neurons, so neurons that fire off of each other. So when I look at you and I smile, you are more apt to smile. We are constantly reflecting back what we see. If we want people to feel good about our message, we got to show that we feel good about it. If I look grumpy about my coaching services and my face is really flat, people aren't necessarily going to feel good about that. Strong gestures, gestures that match what you're saying, that will also help your tone. So the space, I hear you, and yet sometimes there's an energetic conversation where there's a rapport and there's not that space. That's okay. I think it's great. I mean, I think sometimes you want that. You want that positive energy, and sometimes that space feels so controlled and thoughtful. Context matters. So everything that I talk about We're talking about this in broad strokes, but you have to look at the particular context of the conversation that you are having and what does it demand? What is going to help the people or person that you're in a conversation with? So all of these things matter. How you apply them, like they're tools in your toolbox, how you apply them is based on who is in front of me, what do they expect from me, what do they want from me, what do they need to hear from me? And what do I want from them, right? I mean, isn't that a part of it? Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think in terms of communication, that's an interesting thing. And we could go down a whole (laughs) new road there. So I'm going to stop myself. So the other one was gestures. Now, there's all these YouTube videos about, you know, use your hands open or closed or upside down or right side up. Are there specific gestures that show more confidence than others? Or is it just using gestures? Well, there are gestures that show confidence and could indicate arrogance. So I'm going to say this with a context matters, your intent matters. 
So I'm doing the triangle, like what do you call it? Hand, like a hand yes, pyramid. It's like a hand pyramid. And it's, I think it's called the <laughs> command pose. So this, it is a power signal. People will use it. Does it work? In a meeting, sure it does. Really? Yeah. You think it does work well, in a meeting? depending, again, I can't say from your perspective, but it can work. I'm not recommending this. It is a, <laughs> you ask me a high level power pose. This is a high level power pose. That's something that people do when they are trying to assert command and they're also trying to keep it within themselves. So they're pushing and they are holding and that's a command move. High, high power pose. Hands on the hips. You've heard of Superman, Superwoman. That's a very commanding pose. Your hands on your hips, your chin's tilted up, your chest is up, your feet are about shoulder width apart. I could see doing it by yourself in the bathroom to kind of psych yourself up. But if I was talking to someone standing like that or in a meeting presenting with the pyramid triangle, I don't think I'd be impressed. I would think this person feels like they have to do this fake gesture to act like they are important. You might be right. You might be right. But you asked me specifically about what are some of the commanding poses that people do. I'm not placing a value on the specific thing. So do you believe that there are certain gestures that specifically help convey confidence? I think if you're open-handed, that's probably the best simple one. Your hands are open. People can see where you are. You're not hiding them under the table. You're not fidgeting. A tall posture. So those are more subtle. So to you, straight on eye contact, not crossing your feet when you stand. And I'm guilty of this. Like you're standing in a pair of heels and you cross your feet and you kind of wiggle back and forth. That does not convey confidence. That kind of looks like I have to pee. <laughs> okay. I can see that. So standing with your feet, you know, again, shoulder width apart, one foot in front of the other is a more stable pose that looks like I feel good in my skin and I'm not trying to do anything. But pull your shoulders back, keep your chin up. Those will convey confidence. I have been privileged to listen to you as you prepare your current TED Talk. And you're working on a TED Talk, which is about the power of communication and the value it has. I'm really interested in some of the techniques that you used. Your opening section is so engaging and you tell the story so well. I think it's beyond just storytelling with confidence. It's really, you have some techniques or some skills to really engage the audience. Can you talk about some of the techniques that you're using to make that work? Absolutely. So one of the first things that I did is to automatically engage the audience first by asking a question. So the emphasis is not on me, it's on them. Because I want them in the mindset of thinking about communication, where is this going? And I specifically asked emotion-laden questions. So for the folks who have not heard me rehearse this, you know, the question that I ask is, what would you say today if you knew tomorrow that you would never speak again? That's an emotionally heavy question that creates automatic engagement. You can do this if you're a presenter or maybe in podcasting, but starting with that question takes emphasis off you, puts it on the audience, and then creates an environment that says, ooh, this is going to be something different. And then as far as the storytelling piece goes, I picked something that I knew would tap into empathy, which is picturing somebody in a hospital who is now suffering and can't speak. 
and I, I say tell, but when I show you that, because I'm very specific in my descriptions, you're laying in a bed, there's someone standing over you, they're squeezing your shoulder. That's me showing you versus telling you. So then you are automatically put into that story and you feel it. And so that's how I created that beginning of the story. So part of your process, part of the message in that TED Talk, but also part of your process is working it through. Try, fail, try again. Talk about how that applies to creating, in this case, a TED Talk, but really any content that you're creating. Oh my gosh. So when I did my first TED Talk, what people don't understand is how many drafts actually I had to go through before that TED Talk ever hit the air. I spent 150 hours on that TED Talk. So when I think about content creators, what I so often see is they they create a piece of content, they move on. They create a piece of content, they move on. They don't go back and try to refine reiterate, reimagine what that content would be, could be if they just spent a little more time with it. So, or even their podcast, how many people experience pod fade? They didn't get the download numbers that they wanted. So it feels like a failure. So they quit. I didn't become an instant celebrity. So therefore it isn't working. Therefore I quit. And that's not the way it works. It really is a process of trying it, failing, trying it again, tweaking, The iterative process, process of going through multiple repetitions is so important. It's getting reps in the game. Just getting those reps in and practicing over and over again is what makes the difference between someone who is okay and someone who is exceptional. So true. So true. And I think for some reason with presenting, it's so wrapped up in who we think we are that people don't always realize it's a skill. It's a learned skill. Right. We weren't born delivering presentations. We weren't born creating content. And I'm glad you brought this up because you have to detach yourself from the content or the presentation or the product. You are not the presentation. The presentation is something that you are giving to other people. The content is something that you are giving other people. You are a human individual being and creating that space between you and the thing you're creating is really important. And that's what's going to help you seek feedback and make your content better. Right. It allows you to see that as a product, not as a reflection of yourself. And then being very, very clear, concise, and powerful will go a long way in up-leveling your content. What's your best advice for getting clear and concise? That's so hard to do. So fewer words per sentence, fewer syllables per word, and get rid of acronyms and jargon. The next level of that is to go through your written and or verbal content and start getting rid of unnecessary words. The way you get rid of unnecessary words is you read the sentence, you take a word out and see if it changes the meaning of the sentence. If it didn't change the meaning you probably don't need that word. So Alex, people who want to know more, they can sign up if they get in quick, if they're listening to this in January, into your Communicate with Confidence program, which I know is going to be amazing. But for those that don't, or maybe for those that do, you have a powerful voice. And I would love for you to just wrap up with 
your words of wisdom, your advice, you have a platform, you have content creators who are influencing the world, what would you like them to know? To just keep trying. Trust the process. You have something that you feel very passionate about, which is why you're creating content to begin with. So do yourself and the world a favor by not stopping, by continuing to work, to put out, to receive feedback, to go back, to try again, become that elite athlete of whatever it is that you're doing, because the world really does need what you have. I have no doubt because you will say it in a different way. You will present it in a totally different way than anybody else, just by the fact that you are you. So please don't rob us of the opportunity to experience whatever it is that you are creating. Thank you, Alex. I so appreciate you're taking the time to come on the show. Sometimes interviewing a friend is harder than interviewing someone you don't know as well. And we struggled a little bit, but I'm so happy with the final result. If you want to communicate with confidence, Alex has a workshop coming up. You can find out more about all the things she does at pswithalex.com. As the year wraps up, I want to make a special point today to thank my editor, Chris Zarnock. She makes your life easier by making this show better. I also want to thank my friends at Podcasters Anonymous, Core 4, and Bird Tracks, and so many other pod friends who have been so generous in sharing advice with me this year. Remember, stay grounded, and I'll talk to you next time.